welcome back to another episode of Say Something Interesting, the podcast that changes your life and uh, makes your week just ever that much brighter, even if it, I don't know if it could get any brighter. I mean, you guys, the Patriots lost in the Super Bowl. <laughs> my feet, my week is bright. We could end this podcast right now. Uh, Marga, how you doing? I'm, I'm doing fine. You doing I mean, good? We watched the first half together yeah. and then I skipped out and went to a, a different party and, uh, but, and so I, I wasn't able to be there. Not to gloat, I would have not gloated over you. Mm. <laughs> I would have. You were doing this like cocky walk oh, around the cocky walk ar- around the auditorium, <laughs> like like an old to, lady power walk. To be fair, your husband was asking oh, for I it, know. literally begging for it. Like, which is hard because I'm like the exact opposite on the spectrum than him when it comes to patriot how Patriots fans can be. Yeah, and but. he he lost his bet, so now he's got to sit in the front row. So. That's our tip for the week, I guess. If you're coming to church, just try to avoid front and center because you're not going to be able to see past my giant <laughs> husband. <laughs> We're putting the biggest, tallest guy that we have in the very front row, front and center for the next. How many, How long was it? What was Two the bet for? Two months. Two months. Front and center. It's good. That's good. He's in the spit zone. Yeah. The, the, the wet zone. <laughs> brought it upon himself. <laughs> what a great game. It was a uh, great Hopefully game. you're all in still probably, I mean, you probably don't listen to this until Tuesday or so, but still, I mean, the recovery mode, I mean, Philly is still recovering. Well, they will they be. They may be recovering for months. Hurricane Super Bowl just absolutely you're crushed laughing, them. You're laughing, but my friends that, you know, Salvation Army Connections, they yeah. have these EDS teams, Emergency Disaster Services, who are the teams that you see doing a hurricane relief and flooding relief and house fires. And they were dispatched like before the game even ended. Yeah. They were because people are already setting stuff on fire like at halftime. Flipping cars over. Yeah. Uh, and they went to Wawa. Do you know what Wawa is? No. It's like their most beloved gas station, but it also sells like, I'll never say this again, but decent food because the competition is really? with, with a Pittsburgh station called Sheets, but that's a whole other story. Sheets versus Wawa. I'm team Sheets. <laughs> But uh, I, I used to go Wawa on my sheets, but then I got older <laughs> and I don't do that anymore. But uh, people are going into Wawa and having food fights and just like trashing these poor stores. And I'm like, goodness gracious. Yeah. Uh, so they were dispatched to try to help clean up and put out fires and help the cops that are doing crazy. Oh, please. Overtime I, saw the co- I saw the video of the cops jumping up and down, trying to be composed. And then all of a sudden be like, yeah. And then except now I had to go and arrest all these people. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> I did not realize uh, that Philly had not won a Super Bowl before. We were talking about that during the game. We're like, have they have they won? I'm no, like, they've they made a sports two. movie about Philadelphia football, so yeah. you think that would imply? And you saw a Silver Linings Playbook guy up there, right? Yeah. In the in the big uh, box, going to cut into him. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that he was legit Philly fan. Uh, I mean, I knew he was in the movie, but apparently, so it's like the, the who, you know who which movie star last year was Mark Wahlberg. Who, well, he's. New England all the time. Yeah, who left early from the game after they were down 23, oh. 27 to 3 or whatever it was. I saw his his brother. He threw the first pitch at the uh, baseball game we went to, Red Sox game. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah, so. Nice. So anyways, I, just a real fun weekend. Uh, Commercials we, are good. Like, Yeah, what was your favorite commercial? Um, Man, I was just thinking of this, and I had an answer, and now it's gone. I mean, the Time We Got Alive one was hilarious. I love me some Dirty Dancing. I loved Peter Dinklage and Morgan Freeman. Yeah. That was wonderful. But there's another one that I like is totally slipping my mind that I'm like, okay, this probably takes a cake. I thought uh, the Tide ones were super creative yeah. and great. Did and- you see? So they had that blackout. They lost coverage for yeah. a couple seconds. Estimates yeah. up to $5 million 
in loss of advertising. Yeah. Uh, but Tide was so quick on their Twitter account. They posted like, even in the dark, clothes are still clean. <laughs> yeah, it's a Tide ad. <laughs> that was a Tide ad. That's hilarious. So. Kudos. Uh, I, I think obviously the obvious winners were Tide uh, for just the campaign that they did. I yeah, thought it was really over and brilliant. over. It didn't get old. It was brilliant the whole time. And I think it can carry over. I think that they've got some legs on that ad campaign that's going to run for a while. Yeah. Uh, I thought another winner for me was the Australian uh, Tourism Board one where they did. Uh, oh, the Dundee. Uh, yeah, yeah, like they, they tried to make it look like a movie's coming out and then they switched it to that. I thought that was creative and I did not see it coming. Mm -hmm. So that's always fun. And then I saw it again and I still liked watching it. Mm -hmm. That's for me when I know that you've had a good commercial is when it comes on. Because you never can say point. that being like, oh, I just want to see that commercial again. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, there were several like... Uh, There's some heartstring ones that are always, you know, nice. Yeah, I, I saw some of the ones that got some serious flack were... Um, uh, the Groupon one where the dude, like the old man is oh. like, you know, adult, I'm Small not against business. local. Yeah. And then he gets kicked in the garage. Like half like, the stuff on Groupon humor? is Come like on. sweatshop selling sweatshirts. Now I don't know if you've looked at Groupon. It used to not. be like, come to Joe's Tackle Shack. I actually haven't heard of Groupon in like really? several years. I mean, it was big for it, right when it came out. If you don't live in a major nothing. metropolitan area, yeah. you're not going to like, if you go on it here, it's all for like Spokane. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is the nearest Groupons, but it used to be local business. And if you go into it now, it's like merchandise. And you know that since it's dirt cheap, it's probably not ethically sourced yeah. or made in America in any way, shape or form. So yeah, I, thought that I was mean, kind our of... example of it here is the Spotted Fox thing. I mean, that's mm -hmm. I think that's a I think that's a fairly local thing. Anyway, I've never heard of it. So, yeah. Uh, and then uh, the uh, the Dodge commercial got some flack. Did you hear that? It was oh, it was a uh, Martin the Luther Viking King. one. No, no, that was the dilly dilly. That was Bud Light, I think. No, no, no. The, the ones with the Vikings in the back of the truck pulling their Viking ship. It was at the beginning. Oh, was it? Oh, I, I, must, I missed that so one. It was commercials. the MLK speech over, and it was like oh. trying to sell you trucks, and everybody's like, oh, MLK tried to sell me like, trucks. Way that, was, to use, that was what he was about. <laughs> you know, a guy that died for civil rights to sell your merchandise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I can see it's that. It's so hard, though. I mean, they're trying, I mean, are you trying to pay homage to him? At least let, him, let it be about that. Then, like, don't, you know, I don't know. So many commercials do that. Though. Like, Abercrombie sells clothes by not showing clothes. Like, this, yeah. commercials will do whatever it takes to. Yeah. In general, you. did you feel like it was an up year or down year for commercials? I feel like every year they're, they've been pretty good with funny and, you know, I don't know. It's At this point, I'm not, like, ever really blown away because I expect, like, my expectations are high. Yeah. So. I felt like it was a better year than last year. I feel like last year it got a little bit too sentimental and a little bit too, I don't know if it was political or if it was just like a, um, we're trying to prove that we're a really good company all the time. And it was like. Uh, I'm, I kind of watch these ones for humor. Like, I, you know, if it's too much one way, then I'm like, I thought there'd be way more uh, Doritos commercials, right? Cause Doritos usually has like five or six. They used to do like a uh, campaign, like, you know, you'd Come have to vote own. and then the top yeah. eight would get, and we actually had a, a friend of ours who, well, not a, a, so a friend of ours married this guy. Um, so I know him, uh, but barely. And, but he was in a Doritos, I can't, a, a commercial that got picked up by Doritos for a Super Bowl thing a few years ago. And it was funny. And they used to do like a big old, yeah, like a running vote in the top eight, get to, you know, get shown on, on there. And one of my favorite commercials ever is the goat. Um, oh, yeah. I love that one. That was a Doritos commercial. That's probably my favorite commercial. There's no Snickers commercial. Like I thought Snickers always advertises the football. Yeah. 
nothing. Nothing. I don't know. There was some, I guess that was probably the thing, biggest takeaway is like who I didn't see in the commercials. And I was like, hmm. Yep. Yep. Interessant. Well, that has nothing to do with Sunday, but it is a part of our lives and things that we found interesting. But we did finish up our series called Beginnings on Sunday. It was week four, but kind of week five. That kind of, you know, how we did that thing. But uh, a lot, lot about forgiveness and really kind of hopefully bringing some closure to the idea of a, a fresh start always require always requires at the very end kind of moving on from whatever it is that kind of is our baggage in the past and the things that we just can't seem to get over. And, you you know... And, and it's not a, it, it wasn't hopefully a pie in the sky, all, all optimism all the time, you know, denial of reality. The, the idea, the goal was not, definitely not that. Um, the goal was uh, you, that stuff affects you whether you know it or not. And you have some say in the matter on how long you continue to let that affect you, right? And the idea of forgiveness is pardon. I mean, you and I, I think, talked about this a little bit. Um, after service yesterday, I think it was you and me, um, about the unique look from for forgiveness as pardon, which pardon feels a lot more true to the nature of what actually takes place in the process of forgiveness mm-hmm. than sometimes, sometimes forgiveness does. Like we, we say, um, all forget, state, but don't forget, you know. Uh, Allstate has accident forgiveness, or um, uh, we or we say like a forgive a loan, like uh, you don't have to pay anymore, that kind of thing. But that that implies no moral wrongdoing. That's just a something happened. It was an accident. The only, and, yeah, the know. only pardon I can think of that implies no moral wrongdoing is when the White House pardons a turkey every Thanksgiving. That's well, the only. Well, no, that turkey's been a jerk all year. You don't even know that, but they pull the bully. It's not the run to the litter. They pull the bully. Uh, yeah, but pardon does carry with it moral um, fault, you know, like um, when you hear somebody got pardoned, usually at the end of a presidential second term where yeah. all of a sudden there's like Sometimes this laundry like, list you're of really letting this guy all those people. <laughs> Most of the time you don't even know who these people are. You're like, I don't care. Go for it. Whatever, you know. Uh, but he's he is probably doing some favors for somebody so that when he gets out, he's got something to go for. But it doesn't matter, right? What it happens on all of the political aisles. But you you don't think of uh, the pardon and and think oh they must be innocent. It's no, they probably did it, you know. And but you know it's fine. I, I'm fine with grace. But let's not deny uh, liability or or deny. Uh, pain or deny that you did something wrong you know that's the beauty of thinking through forgiveness in in the uh through the lens of pardon versus Mm -hmm. just go ahead and be free you know that kind of thing so um i hope that that was kind of clear in all of that um and we talked great like if you guys were out of town eating buffalo chicken dip make sure you you go back and i don't think they were man we were packed in both services Um, which is really great. So thank you. I mean, we we did c- cancel our evening service, so um, because of the game, obviously. Um, so that probably helps out a little bit in some of those things. But um, yeah, I know it was just it was fun to see lots of people and do that, and yeah, it was great. So a real fun series. Anything else stand out about the message that you kind of walked away with? I mean, we talked about Ephesians chapter four, the in your anger do not sin piece. Um, yeah, I th- I love that you just brought up the sundown thing because I feel like that's. With being newlyish married, that's a piece of advice that we got so many times from so many people. And um, yeah, I think if anything, I always just thought of that as marital advice and didn't actually let myself think about it with other people as much. 
Oh, sure. Like, got to make sense. sure things are right with my spouse. But do I got to make sure things are right with so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so? Um, so I enjoyed having my my perspective boundaries pushed back a little bit and broadened on that. Um, I thought the piece of un- of looking at the um, the devil and the word that he uses there, the, the diabolos, um, versus, you know, the other options that he had to do is so significant because um, there, there's a huge... But like, get thee behind me, Satan. He's like, no, it's not actually Satan standing there. He's just talking about this attitude. Yeah, it's <laughs> not like Jesus got confused about who Paul or Peter was in that moment. Like, you know, I, I thought I saw a tail. Sorry, you're good. You're good. You know, he's saying get behind me because you're, you know, you're accusing me of some of things. Like there's this false accusation. Which I wouldn't recommend on. just like calling your coworker that. No, you get mad that at would them, be thing, not like, good. Don't call your coworker but, Satan or devil. But huge opportunity. If, if you're looking for something that's very, very interesting, do a word study on Satan, devil in, in the New Testament. Because a lot of times we just jump to this entity that we don't want to talk about and don't want to do. And it's like this force of evil or this embodiment of everything that's wrong with the world and all of that stuff. And we really do miss out on some of the practical way of them going, when you live with a like a a conscience that communicates guilt to you. Like, you know that you've done something wrong. That thing that keeps reminding you that you're, that you're wrong or that you're bad or that you, you know, you you fall short or whatever. That's the, the devil mindset. That's the Mm -hmm. accuser mindset. That's the slanderer mindset that, that we struggle with. So I think less and less is it about an entity and more and more is it about, um, uh, that type of an embodiment of a conscience type thing. So, which is great, especially if you're like newer or kind of not sure where you stand on the faith spectrum. Like, I feel like whenever you see the word devil or even like stuff like antichrist, you're like, okay, that's too much. Like, this is so far fetched and so mystical. This has no relevance to to my day to day. When really, like, if you look at like people that are antichrist, excellent, ex- like, another example. Yeah, someone that is anti like actually break it down and see like what does that mean Every, everything is... that is anti what christ was about exactly. that's what the new church that's what the early church would call well that's antichrist uh so they would look at some of the um some of the things that go on around the world in terms of poverty and injustice not in america I, I, not just in america but all over the place and be like that is antichrist whenever the bottom line dollar amount is prioritized above and beyond human a person's life. well-being or a human being made in the image of God. That is an antichrist attitude. Hmm. Um, so the, you have to just take away the like the connotation versus denotation. You have to take away what these words have been built up to be and actually look about what they're actually saying. Yeah, and N.T. Wright had a fantastic book about this um, called "Evil and the Justice of God." Um, it came out probably. 10 or 12 years ago, a long time ago, a really small book, but I mean, pretty, pretty in depth. So is if, yeah, I was heavy say, stuff. yeah, if, if uh, you have to be really into it and you have to be somewhat of a, a person who is able to kind of like sit on a chapter, not, you're not going to bust through this. Like you get through a couple paragraphs and you have to let it digest for a day yeah, or two. <laughs> and probably sit there with your computer open to Wikipedia, you know, going, typing this in, going, what's he talking about when he talks about, es- you know, eschatology or es- he's talking about this. What does that mean? You know what I mean? Help me out with all of this. Um, but a super great, I remember, I remember reading that. It's been a while, but I remember reading that thinking, okay, this is changing my, it, it walked through some of the early church's perception on the embodiment of evil and, and where does it come from and, and what does it mean to, to and it, stand And I feel like when you look at it, most people, especially like 
with Christian morality and American morality. I feel like most people will be like, yeah, like this is awful. This is awful that rulers are, you know, taking, you know, sending all like I think of North Korea where people have tried to send food to North Korea because North Koreans are starving and a lot of the food just ends up get going to the military and not to the civilians that need it most. And people would say, yeah, that's like that's evil. We can all get aboard. And like if by definition, the church would say that's like an antichrist attitude. Yeah. Um. So there's there's commonality and things that you never would think what commonality could be found, such as phrases like antichrist. Yeah. And the piece uh, of the message I I feel like deserve deserve the most attention and the most probably exposition that maybe it didn't get fully was that idea at the end of just as in Christ God forgave you. This is a common theme for Paul. Um, he, he'll do it later, a chapter later when he does his household codes um, with uh, you know fathers um, don't exasperate your kids, husband love your wives, wives support your husband, slaves uh, obey your masters. That's all in chapter five, and then he does he says. Um, submit to one another's out of uh, reverence for Christ. So again, you are to serve one another and you do it because that's already been done for you. Forgive as God forgave you, serve others as God has forgiven as as God has served as you. God freely gives, so you should So give. I mean this is a common response throughout the whole second part of Ephesians, which is again the um, embodiment of what a life in Christ would look like. We are reactors. We are responders. We are reflectors of the grace that has been given to us. Um, we don't do this out of our own goodwill. We don't do this because we're trying to create a case for God that makes him like us more and make him approve of us or anything like that. It's if your identity is here, then this is what it looks like. And if it's not here, then you should question your identity. That's the question that should be coming on it, you know? Yeah, it should not be surprising if Christians act in a godlike way. Like, it's sad that people are like, oh, wow, look at how giving and generous and forgiving they are. And you're like, oh, like, that's sad that that gets an oh, wow, when that should just be the expectation. Like, I would expect Michael Jordan's children to have some level of athletic ability yeah, and, and so, when they don't, you're like, can oh. you believe that? <laughs> I mean, and yeah, I mean, I'm not expecting them to be Hall of Fame player like, or even play college yeah. basketball, but like a jump shot. You should be able to <laughs> like have some sort of form with a jump shot. His form is so smooth. Yours should be half that smooth or, you know. A and yet I feel it. like we set the bar so low on like we are adopted. We are part of the family of Christ. And yet we don't set the same bars that we would have like celebrity like passing on that talent to their child or passing on that inherent like if mother Teresa had a child you'd expect her to be just as generous and giving and if that character's not found you get a little confused or a little surprised or let down and yet we don't set the bar at the same height that we would for people i don't know it's yeah. kind of something to all over i think um there's uh, some stuff in that last phrase too just as in christ god forgave you that our identity is when when our identity is in Christ through the death of Christ, we are, have been granted the grace, or we have been given the grace. So, it's it's a it's an understanding of this is not just a thing between me and God. Like Christ plays a big piece in this thing, at least from a Christianity standpoint. This is not I do good, then God says He weighs my. A talents and abilities against my flaws, and therefore I'm good. It's a identity being found in Christ, and through His work, then that has been extended to me. So there's there's so much you can go into there because I think the common 
uh, battle that we constantly face is the religious battle, which is, did I do enough? Am I good enough? Am I good enough? Am I good, am I good enough? And what I think this verse is revealing like as an indirect way is showing that that's not the, even the right question. That's not the right question to ask. Did I do enough? It's not about you doing enough. Um, it's never been about you doing enough. It's Thank about goodness. <laughs> he did enough and therefore, you know, we can celebrate that. So, um, well, I, I mean, if you're listening to this and, and that kind of intrigues you, this idea of, oh, I thought it was a, a try harder thing for me. Um, we do have a free book table at the at the Uptown here on a Sunday on any given weekend with a small little book. It's a take home read. It's a much easier read than NT Right. Um, it's written by a guy named <laughs> Andy Stanley. It and really is just like a pocket size. Yeah, how good is good enough? You can read it in one hour, probably. I mean, afternoon if you, if you wanted to, um, and a great great perception on on that kind of a follow through. So I haven't mentioned that in a long time, even from the front. So I mean. We're- we People go through the books, yeah. like we we definitely we just spent a bunch of money buying buying new ones, so somebody's taking them. <laughs> um, but uh, and it is funny though too because we have so many people um, come through our building to to use it for different events, you know, concerts, plays, whatever. And every once in a while, we'll accidentally leave the free book sign out with the free books on the table. And people will be walking and be like, oh, cool. And they'll grab, oh, here's one right here. I got one right at the table. And I'm always like torn. I'm always like, oh, because that costs us money. Like every every book is like, I don't know, 250 or three bucks or something like that. And uh, and I was looking, I'm like, oh, no, no, those are only for Sunday. And then I catch myself. And you I'm like, like slap yourself on the wrist. Like, oh, come on. <laughs> I mean, like if they're going to read it, like then they should, I want you to take it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I've, I'm the hard a, one is when the like they're little kids who are like five uh, years old come up and grab a book and I'm like, come on, man, you know, <laughs> stick with the Bernstein Bears. Yeah, there's no pictures in this. Put it back. Uh, I know in my life I've probably had my Bibles stolen. Seventy five percent of the Bibles I've owned have walked away. Like legitimately, like I haven't lost them. Have walked away. Yeah. What do you do? And the you most like, like frustrating part is like it. I I highlight and I write notes and like sometimes. Um, like when I was in seminary and there's a lecture, I'd really, I'd write like the date, like this lecture connects to this verse. Cause then I'd like, oh yeah, I'd remember what they'd say about it. And like special Sunday sermons, I'd write like stuff like that to help me hearken back to those moments. So like that was frustrating. But at the same time, I'm like, great, like read it. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those That's things. why I always lock mine up with a zipper and put my name on it. Oh. I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> one of those little diary, itty bitty locks. <clears throat> yeah. Click. Hey, let's jump into uh, your say something interesting. What, what do you got this week that's, uh, that you have found interesting and, and something that's exciting for uh, going on in your world? So I, I wanted to share some fun facts because that's my favorite thing to do on this podcast. Yeah. And fun facts surrounding the next biggest sporting event, which really should be the biggest sporting event, which Baseball. is the Olympics. Oh, yes. Baseball. So you just proved my point. No one cares. It's so sad. <laughs> Pitchers and catchers report in two weeks. That's what I know. Oh, man. I love, especially the Winter Olympics. I love the Winter Olympics. I think it's just because New Hampshire has a lot of winter sport love, like our national, or not national, our state sport is skiing, and we've had like Bodie Miller and some other amazing Olymp- Olympic athletes come from New Hampshire. So I wanted to look up like, I know that there's some weird Olympic competitions or events that you can compete in, but what are some of the weirdest of all time Olympic competitions? So some of the some of the ones I found, this one was from 1906. You could go to the Olympics and participate in dueling pistols. 
Oh, wait a second. Like against each other? <laughs> See, that's what the premise of the name sounds like. Yeah. But in reality, they would just go against a mannequin and they would have to hit like a very tiny target. Oh, and wow. They, but because no one died and there was no bloodshed, people essentially got bored of the event and they axed it. So. Yeah, because I would show up for that event. <laughs> I would buy tickets for that. Not a lot of athletes you think are going to leave on a stretcher. Yeah. <laughs> but, That's funny. So another one was tug of war was an Olympic event. Oh, sweet. Yeah, um, classic. But they had to stop it because people were cheating. In fact, the there's a, a team that was made up entirely of London police officers and they had heavy shoes to help them, but the shoes were so heavy that when they were walking into the rink, they were <laughs> struggling to lift their feet up. And people were like, ah, so, something's wrong here. Yeah, I don't no, think they... these, are, these are kids. We're good. They just hit the pub really hard, guys. Yeah, That's right. why they're staggering. Uh, another one, which has one of the best, if you YouTube this, you're just going to die of laughing, was race walking. Uh, that like is not that walking. old. No, it's not. Yes, I remember he, uh, watching that. I, I thought that was a summer event, though. Is that a winter event? Oh no, I was just looking oh, in okay. general. Okay, got it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, no, it's. A, I think it's a summer event, and I remember. And it's uh, honestly, it looks like a constipated a penguin. Yeah, a bunch of stay-at-home moms, <laughs> and we see them practicing out here at the Uptown. They like oh, go around the fanny pack and like the, the windbreakers oh. and like the little one-pound arm weights. Dude, it is classic. Yeah, if, you, you. If can't... you want to laugh, just YouTube race walking, and it's really hard to to do because your foot has to be completely a hundred percent. One foot has to be in hundred percent contact with the pavement at all times. I was like, wondering what the rules were for that because there's got to be some like so many. You rules. can't exert too much and you know effort, but so. Yeah. Okay. So one foot on the ground the whole time. And Good. it has to be a hundred, like you can't have your heel or toe raised up. Yeah. So now it makes the ridiculous walk make a little bit more sense, but I can't imagine judging that. Like what street cred do you have? If you're like, yo, yeah. I'm the Olympic race walking judge. Uh, another one that kind of made me laugh a little bit was solo synchronized swimming. Think about oh, that. Wow. I was like, wait, syn syn synchronized yeah. with what? <laughs> I guess with the music, I would exactly. suppose. Exactly. So they're just essentially dancing in the water. Uh, that was pretty. That'd be so boring. 1984 oh to 1992, which doesn't shock me because this is the age of like jazzercise. And so anytime you can put sequins on and boogie to something, that makes sense. Okay. Uh, and then the last one that I, that I saw that was kind of interesting, this is more of a fact, but the only time the Olympics ever had killing of any sort in it was in the 1900 Olympics in Paris where they had hunting of pigeons. And in one event alone, over 400 pigeons were killed. <laughs> so they, needless to say, they switched to like the clay pigeons and whatnot after that. But I thought it was interesting that at least at one, I thought it would have been even before that hunting would have. You I think. thought you would have included biathlon in that. You know what biathlon is? No. That's when they ski and then they, they shoot a sniper rifle and they shoot targets. What? So That's it's magical. Like, it's, yeah. Sounds like a James Bond movie. Absolutely. Jerry Seinfeld <laughs> used to have a bit on the biathlon. He's always like, what is the biathlon about? Like, what, how many alpine snipers are into this thing, you know? But the, also, like, a triathlon, that is so athletic. Not that, sh like, being a sharpshooter isn't a talent, but, I mean, I'm talking about, like, heart rate and, like, muscles and stuff like this, like, swimming and biking and running. Like, that is exhausting. Skiing is exhausting, but not in the same like cardio realm. And then shooting a gun, that's nothing. Like in terms of 
physical exertion, I should say. So that's really, that's really funny. Okay, you and I, we we talked about how going into this podcast, I sat here for 10 minutes going, I, I have nothing interesting to the, share. The Super Bowl just nudged out all coherent uh, yeah, thought. Yeah, I, I just, you know, <laughs> turned my mind off and watched the Super Bowl. And I knew that once you got talking, I would find something to be able to talk about. So I've got two short things that I think are somewhat interesting, okay? <laughs> Number one is my sister and I, I have three younger sisters, but it's really me and my sister, Brittany. And then there's this like eight-year gap, and or six, sorry, six-year gap, and then there's Danae and Devin. So it was like two different families, basically. Um, so my sister and I, were, Brittany, are much closer than Danae and Devin. I love them. But we just didn't have the same childhood. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Brittany and I, you, I just I vividly remember us watching specifically the Winter Olympics um, and specifically figure skating. And coming up, we would be the well, our own judges. And the game was see how close we could get to judging the figure skaters and whoever got closest. You can to tell this man had three sisters. Oh, totally. <laughs> whoever got closest to the judge's actual score was the winner for us. So we would sit there with a pen and paper and be like, oh, that was a really good triple axel. Oh, man. And we would completely. <laughs> would love, I'm just picturing Grayson do this just because I can't picture you as a kid. Yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah, totally. And uh, I, I just I just totally remember we would write it down and you'd have to get it all on paper before it was revealed. And then we would put it face down, you know, and then they would talk it and we would show our scores. And then I, I think I was better at it than her. I mean, I was two years older than her. So you knew um, you were figure skating. And I did. I, it was, and it was like, that was like the prime, dude. Christy Yamaguchi, Brian Boitano, all oh, of Oh, I remember those days. Oh, we, yeah. Every year for Christmas, we'd get Smuckers on Ice tickets for me and, my, on me ice. and my grandma would go and watch all those, all those skaters skate. So... If you're bored and you're looking for something to do, not on Friday night, because Friday night's the opening ceremonies and it's going to be awesome. But like in like the doldrums of the Winter Olympics, when it's just like figure skating every night, because it feels like they have like they just draw that out forever. Ice dancing and all Uh, all that kind of stuff. Pull out a pen and paper, see how you can do versus the judges. And there you go. Uh, The second thing I want to recommend, and this is more humor based. Curling, always curling. (laughs) I've been curling. You have been curling. See, that's fascinating. Okay, to me. Uh, right, there okay. we go. We're tra- we're Here the we train go. is off the tracks, guys. There is a curling facility in Bellevue, Washington. I need to go. And my friends and I, we do our little boys trip every year. It's just, like, and a couple years ago, ice. somebody goes, oh, "We're gonna go curling," and it was, I think, seventy-five dollars an hour per person. Uh, no, it wasn't an hour. It was a couple hours. But okay. You rent a lane like bowling. Okay. And the, but the ice is like a so unique you wear special form shoes of ice. And... You wear special okay. shoes. There's all those stones that go across mm-hmm. are like really flipping heavy, and they're super. They're like twelve hundred dollars a piece or something like that. They, I mean, just ridiculous. And you you do the whole leg kick out and let it go, and then you s- scrape with the broom and. Uh, warm up the ice so then Tell it goes. Tell me it's fun. Tell me it's uh, Yes, it's fun. The hard time, the hard thing for me is having you pay before you go. And so you're- It feels painful at first. You're still like waiting. Is it worth it yet? You're is just counting the minutes going, well, that throw was $5. Or well, that was, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. So I, I don't know. It, it was a cool experience. I definitely recommend it at least I mean, one if you, time. If you all go in, 75 bucks isn't- and it's a dying sport. It's like the only, it's the only one uh, in like, well, I can't remember what he said, west of certain 
like spot west of Montana or something like that. Um, there's very few people come from all over to go. That's probably why he has to charge seventy. And it looked bucks. like it looked like an old bowling alley that was kind of like run down. The signage wasn't that great, uh, but they are passionate about curling in there. Um, so I can tell you, I have been curling. It was fun. You have to go with the right group of people uh, to make it fun. And the funnest part was slamming the things that, you know, what do they yeah, call them? The stones. The stones. They call them stones. Yeah. Slamming the stones against the other stones. But when they're $1,200, the guy who bought the stones is like, hey, 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 not so hard. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't, it's not cool for him. So the hard, the funnest <laughs> thing for you is not the funnest thing for him. So, um, yeah, but curling. Curling. That's the episode of curling. I just, it's so magical. I just love that that is a sport and it's a thing. Yeah. And it, like, did it make you appreciate Olympic curling? Like, uh, you're like, okay, now that I see, it made me understand the in. game more. Okay. Yeah, like for sure. Like, like there is a strategy to. Yeah, you make the path with the brooms. And you do it. Yeah. yeah, all of that. Um, and it is difficult. I wouldn't say it's like ultra. I wouldn't say they're athletes. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't say that guy's definitely a curler. Um, just look at his arms. Uh, but I remember, I think it was like the 2006 Winter Olympic curling team. They all got like matching curling tattoos. And in my head, I'm just like, oh, man, this is about as dorky as it gets. Yeah. I love it, but it's pretty dorky. <laughs> uh, my last thing, because the curling thing yeah. wasn't it, um, is Jerry Seinfeld did a stand-up routine a while back called uh, I'm Telling You for the Last Time. It was a DVD. I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix and or if you Google it, you know, I'm, it's old enough now. It's probably on uh, YouTube somewhere. And he's got a bit about the Olympics that is fantastic. And watch it, you know, find it somehow and uh, watch it as you get ready for the Olympics because it'll prepare you for you just a little bit of humor going into Robin it. Robin Williams live 2002 Olympic bit. No. I mean, it's it's not safe for work. But is freaking hilarious. See, that's the as thing well. about Jerry, dude. You could watch this one yeah. with your kids. It's uh, so great. Yeah, not safe for work. That's funny. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, Jerry Seinfeld telling you for the last time. Olympics. Search that. I'm sure you'll find it. I was trying to search it just now, and we don't have internet up in here in the cave. So <laughs> in, the, in the ice box. In the ice box. <laughs> Uh, that'll do it for this episode of Say new Something series. Interesting. Yeah, we are starting a brand new series this week called It's Complicated, a series on relationships. We've got mailers going out. We actually have a lobby full of them right now, and we've got a whole afternoon. Um, another basically, afternoon. <laughs> yeah, and probably another afternoon uh, working to get these things out. So if you live in Richland, and the 99353-52 or 54 zip code, uh, you are definitely getting one. If you live in Kennewick, you might be getting one, depending on... Where you or live if you and, come to our lobby and grab one off the table, yeah, you will we'll have certainly some here. get if one. If you feel offended that we didn't couldn't afford to hit your house, then drive over here and pick one up. Um, but uh, yeah, brand new series starts, and we'd love to have people back out. And uh, we're going. We, we are um, doing nights again starting this week because we took a week off for the Super Bowl and lots of good stuff, good times, good things ahead yeah. uh, for us. So we're pretty pumped. Thanks for listening in, and we hope the rest of your week is just as awesome as this last 35 minutes was. Uh, you can find me at uh, Brent Johnson, J-O-H-N-S-E-N, on Twitter and Instagram. You can find Margo. On Instagram under Adventures in Caffeine. So find us, hit us up, and uh, show us, tell us about your something interesting so that I have something to say next week. I come in ready next week. That'd be a lot better to be more prepared in that way. <laughs> um, and enjoy the Olympics, and we'll talk to you next week. See ya.